This is the Hidden Wire podcast, episode 954. This is my interview with Sarah Simmons from Her Future Coalition. Enjoy. Sarah, welcome to the Hidden Wire podcast. Great to have you here. Thanks for having me. I'm so glad to be here. You guys are doing some uh, marvelous work in the world, but I'm not going to go into that. I want you to tell us um, a little bit about the um, the foundation, um, Her Future Coalition. How did this all begin? So uh, our organization is almost 16 years old, and um, it began after I saw a documentary film about human trafficking, Mm. about child sex trafficking, specifically between Nepal and India. And I was so moved and Were you traveling at the time, or? I was actually, um, I had a completely different career as a songwriter for film and television, and I had a song in a film, in a film festival. Okay, okay. So I saw this movie and um, I was incredibly, you know, gutted and distressed by what I saw, but also inspired by the courage of the survivors and the people who were trying to help them. And I made the decision to, you know, completely change my life and did a 180 and, and kind of gave up my career of writing songs for film and TV and got involved in this work. Okay. Did you help set up the foundation, Her Future Coalition then? Is it is it your foundation or how did that come about? It is. Um, initially, I spent some time just researching and volunteering at other foundations. And then after about a year, I went to Nepal and learned a lot more and, and met some survivors and the people that were doing the work on the ground. And at that point, um, I made the decision to start Her Future Coalition. And my husband was helping me every step of the way. He was an investment banker back then, eventually ended up leaving that career and, and joining me into running the foundation full time. Wow, that's cool. And, and what was it that, that really sparked interest? Obviously, um, women in third world countries, by the sounds of it, um, living in extreme poverty or um, under undesirable conditions, I suppose. Very undesirable. But what, what was it that sort of sparked that interest in you that got you moved into that action? I mean, for me, honestly, it wasn't so much about how horrendous the issue is. Obviously, it's it's horrific. You have mm. you know very young girls who are who are taken from their homes and sold into places you know foreign countries where they don't speak the language and they and they really suffer terrible and sort of unimaginable abuse and dehumanization. That's horrific. Mm. But what what got me motivated to you know jump from my seat and take action and really change my life was actually the courage and not the horror it was just seeing you know even after everything these girls had endured so many of them after being rescued were going back and trying to help others or rescuing others or working at the borders and they were you know still facing such such incredible obstacles in terms of poverty and and stigma and you know health issues that they had faced what you know while they were being trafficked, and yet they they had the courage to go and do this for others. And so I just said, look, if, if there's anything whatsoever I can do to help, I'm going to do it. Because if they can do it, there's got to be you know some way for me to get involved. Mm. I like that. So it's the the courage, the the resilience, the the uh, the strength to to continue on despite the adversity that got you into action. Absolutely. And, and you just sort of think, you know, we're all incredibly blessed, even with the struggles that we're facing this year, we are, we are all, so many of us in the West have just such incredible abundance. And I felt like, you know, there's, if these girls can do it with what they're facing, then certainly there's got to be a place 
that I too can contribute. And that, you know, ended up becoming her future coalition. Does it, do you think it helps um, people put the, the adversity in their own lives in a little bit more perspective when they, you know, watch um, what other people go through as well? Oh my gosh, yes. Every time I come back from, you know, Calcutta, which is where most of our programs are based, I say, I'm never going to complain again. And I swear it each time. Of course, I eventually do end up complaining, but I, but I do pretty well for a while because it really does, you know, put everything into perspective. Like, you know, when you get on an airplane and you get the middle seat, hmm. you know, between two very large people and you're like, oh, you know, I'm on this like long, you know, flight and, and things like that that can just seem terrible and overwhelming in the moment. But when you really, you know, put that next to what one of these girls faces even in just one evening it just it's ridiculous to complain about Very it's trivial. ridiculous to complain <laughs> yes absolutely trivial to complain about traffic and you know just the little problems it really it puts everything in a completely different perspective yeah absolutely so what what um just tell us a little bit about the work you've done around the world um sounds like a lot of work in nepal um what the courses are um what you guys do and have done yeah absolutely so we work in south asia in nepal and india and over the course of the last 15 years, we've been able to help over 4,000 girls on their journey to freedom. Um, we really believe in long-term solutions and intensive interventions. We don't you know, just run a workshop and say, oh, we helped someone. Um, we're really about walking alongside them you know, all the way from the moment of rescue um, to a place where they're completely independent and able to rejoin mainstream society. So we do it through, through providing shelter, a lot of our programs are around education um, all the way through college and economic options and alternatives which allow women to move out of shelters and get out of red light areas and support themselves independently. Okay. So how many, is this just one center you've got set up in Nepal or do you have multiple centers across different countries? Multiple centers and locations. Um, we do mm -hmm. a lot of work in partnership with amazing local organizations. We really very strongly don't want to reinvent the wheel. We want to, you know, support and amplify what's already there and what's working. So um, we work with a lot of local partners and we have projects that are in red light areas, working with kids who are born into brothels and trying to prevent second generation exploitation. And we have projects that are in shelter homes, rescue shelters where girls come immediately after being rescued from trafficking. And we have projects in villages and you know, such as border villages where there's been a very high incidence of trafficking. And those are all about preventing this from happening to the next generation. So a lot of it's in Calcutta where we have our staff, um, but some of it is in Nepal, both Kathmandu and in the rural areas. And some of it's in other parts of India. Well, okay. With someone listening out there, because um, I think a lot of people have, uh, you know, this this feeling or underlying passion at times to help out in this in this sort of uh, it's almost dramatic way, um, you know, to 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 leave what they're doing and go and and help in these communities. Is there an easy way to do that, or how would you suggest for someone that likes the idea of that to start exploring the opportunity further? I think there are, you know, easy ways to do it and there's completely throwing your whole life into it and there's everything in between. Yeah. Um, and I definitely, you know, kind of went the all in approach myself, but just, um, yeah. about, yeah, I'm not, you know, kind of gave up my career and uh, went for it a hundred percent, but I'm not by any means saying that's the only way to do it. I, I'm always suggesting to people, um, you know, when, I, when you feel called about a cause or you, know, you, you want to do something, start by starting. 
um, you know, don't be your start you know, by starting. Worst. Just start by starting. Just you know, get her done, get started, and you you the next step will be revealed to you. You know, it's like you're walking at night with a with a flashlight, and you can only see three feet. But when you walk three feet, you can see three feet more, and you know, another three feet gets you another three feet. And I feel like it was exactly like that when I started this. You know, here I am, this you know this songwriter living on Cape Cod and I had never been to India or Nepal and I really didn't have a lot of experience and it would have been easy to say you know you know what can I do and just be paralyzed by the mm. fact that I didn't know how to do it perfectly you know or even or even brilliantly or even you know super well at first but yeah. it was it was about you know taking a step I started working with others being humble learning you know asking you know what's working what do you need and continually asking um, and then asking the survivors as they came into my life what do you need and then continuously adapting and then the next you know three feet kept being being revealed mm. they wouldn't have been revealed if I'd if I hadn't have started by starting Starting by starting, I like it, and that's that's pretty profoundly true for for anything in life. We just have to um, make movement, and then other things will follow from that, I suppose. Did you find um, many obstacles, like starting out? Like, I mean, was there any uh, things that you learnt about starting that helped you take that action, or was it just that you had that underlying passion you connected with so well that it just pushed you no matter what? Yes and yes. I mean, there were tremendous obstacles and there continue to be. And the issue that we're trying to face is is so endemic and it's rooted in, you know, so many system-wide problems, poverty, the low status of women, you know, tribal and minority issues and caste. Um, we are an organization that's based in the United States. We're trying to have an impact in Asia so that, you know, that can prevent obstacles. The government is very bureaucratic there and not necessarily supportive and the girls face this unusually high level of trauma which mm. presents you know a whole its whole own you know s series of, of issues and, and challenges um and i think you you shouldn't do this work if you're not into you know continually overcoming a challenge only to be presented with a bigger one and mm. you just you know take keep taking them on one at a time i feel like what helped me was i have a naturally sort of relentless positivity. Um, okay, so I'm good. like, you know, yeah, it's, it, it's helped me, right? I tend to look on the bright side, it'll, you know, it'll get better. Um, so you're just naturally gets, a positive person? I'm naturally a very positive person. And I think that doing this work has forced me to become much more positive and to be, you mm. know, to be more relentless about it. Like, you know, we, we just can't sit around saying, oh my God, 2020 sucks, 2020 is so hard, oh no, COVID. I mean, we just don't have that luxury because, you know, girls are dying and girls are, are, are locked up and enduring this, you know, this terrible abuse and dehumanization. You just can't afford to be paralyzed by negativity and despair. So we're not. Yeah. Have you got any coping mechanisms that you've sort of used when you do face, um, sort of those obstacles as you, as you move forward, whether that's 16 years ago or today even? I definitely draw a tremendous amount of support from um, my team, from the partners that we work with in the field. I've learned a lot from people who have been doing this work longer than me um, and from the survivors. They, 
they have a tremendous wisdom that's come out of what they've endured. And so, you know, I don't need to look very far to get re-energized and, you know, inspired um, in a hard moment. And, and I'm also, also that, you know, there just comes that, that time, the end of the day, it's sometimes a really hard day. You're just like, okay, I got to just step away from this, you know, step away from my computer or step away from whatever I'm trying to fix. It isn't going to be fixed in this moment. I cannot solve this problem right now. You know, mm. if it's the middle of the night or the end of a long day and just say, you know, I don't have the solution right now. It will come. Let me just, let me just step back from it. Chill out, have a glass of wine, go for a walk you know, and take it again, you know, take it on again tomorrow. Tomorrow's another day and, and the solution may, may come then. Sometimes that's the best solution, isn't it? Just to give things time. It, it really is. And it's hard to do, right? It's, mm. it's easy to get obsessive, especially with issues like this one, you know, like, mm. oh, I got to fix this right now. Oh my gosh, this program, this girl, what am I going to do? But you're not going to fix it by, you know, getting yourself completely inside yourself and worked up. It can actually, yeah, cause a bit of haze when you get in that sort of state and that actually makes it worse. Harder to find the solutions. You know, um, one time I was um, in the very early days, I was in Cambodia and we were we were doing a project there. It was, it was very early on, like the first yeah. year or two. And someone had taken me, you know, to the red light area at night to show me a project there. And I saw these, you know, terribly young girls and situations in progress that were just horrendous and I, I came back to my hotel and I called my husband and I was just like this is this is too much I don't think I, I just don't even know if I can do this yeah. this is so upsetting I'm a mother you know this is just I'm a woman this is terrible and he was just like you just need to you know read a book watch a tv show relax you you will be able you don't you can't solve this right now tonight the problems that you saw but you can you can begin to have an impact on them over time. And, you know, it's just about letting it go for this moment, stepping away from it. And, and you can, and you will, you'll be able to have an impact at a, at a later point. And, and of course we did. Yeah, that's good. Good advice. Mm-hmm. Take a step back. So when you um, work in these countries, I mean, how do you, I mean, I assume it's what you, what you, the people you work with, the women that you work with, uh, they're everywhere and, and probably not hard to find, but how do you go in there and intervene? Like what's the, how does that all work? I mean, do you go in there just force people out or do you, do you have to work with, um, you know, the police there in these countries to, to help, you know, get these women out of their conditions? What's the, I wish you could be like pull a Liam Neeson and just go in there and like pull everybody out. But um, no, you do have to work within. You work within with the, the governments and that. Government systems. And so we have a couple of different points that we intervene. Hmm. Um, we work when girls have been rescued, which is, which takes, you know, usually done by the police and international or local agencies um, have, have conducted a rescue raid and they're in a shelter home. Okay. Um, so we begin working with them at that point after that's they've been when rescued. That's pretty okay. common. And then sometimes um, more and more lately, we've been working in the red light areas on this issue of second generation prostitution. Um, so working with moms and their kids, you know, where the mother has been trafficked is now maybe not locked up anymore, but it's, it's poverty and the need to support these kids. that's keeping her, you know, trapped. Mm. Yeah. And it's about, you know, working with those kids to try to make sure that they have other alternatives and they're not just 
forced into being trafficked alongside their mothers. And mm. then in the, in the villages where the trafficking is happening, those source areas, um, it's relatively easy to, you know, to attract kids there, you know, with schools and other types of programs um, that can provide, again, alternatives to them and to their families. Okay. Right. Okay. Makes sense. What, um, when you, when you begin working, I mean, you've probably seen some, some amazing stories, um, many amazing stories, I'm sure. And, and people that have just gone on to, to achieve great things. What have you learned, um, from doing the work you do from, from the people that you work from? Mm, so much. Um, I'd love to share a story of one of our girls. Yeah. Her name is Anjali, and um, she and I, during COVID, actually wrote a book together about her story, um, which is coming out on January 11th. It's called Standing in the Way. And she grew up in a remote village in Nepal. Mm -hmm. She's from a tribal community that has a terrible problem with trafficking. Like 75, 85% of the girls in this village are either trafficked to India or forced into a child marriage to prevent them being trafficked. Wow. And she, you know, there were some family problems. Her dad died. The school closed, and she indeed was trafficked at the age of twelve um, to brothel in Calcutta, where she endured terrible violence and suffering for a couple years, and then was rescued. And through a series of incredibly wonderful events and wonderful people and really miraculous events, um, she was able to heal from her trauma she was repatriated to nepal she went back to school at the age of 15 she was you know back in first grade um made up the time and now she's 26 she's about to finish college um, we've been mm -hmm. able to support her education for seven years and she's going back to the village to open a school to um prevent the trafficking of the next generation of girls mm -hmm. in that community so she is one of many who i'm incredibly inspired and energized by and um by writing this book together you know i was able to kind of condense all the different things that i've learned from her and from other survivors over the years um, big part of it is a big part of healing and not getting stuck in your trauma no matter how terrible it is is making that conscious decision to leave the past behind and the way anjali explains that is that you have to write a new story with the same words so, you know, you I don't write have, a new story with the same words. You have to, yeah, to write a new story with the same words. You don't have, you can't undo the words, right? The trafficking that happened to you, the neglect or abuse that predated it, you know, and the right. suffering and everything that happened there. So you've got, you've got these limited words to work with, which is your past, which is your story, which is what has happened hmm. to get you to this point. But you can take those words and reorganize them and you can make something really beautiful. And for her, you know, it's about forgiving others and basically forgiving situations. Like what happened has happened. And in Nepal, they have this saying, when you don't forgive or when you hold on to resentments and negativity, it's it's like holding on to a hot coal. Yeah. Yeah. You're obviously only going to burn you, right? And the people that did this to you are walking around fine. Um, so it's about making a decision not to ruminate, not renting space in your head to these horrible people who've hurt you and instead to you know make that conscious decision um she'll often do things like you know changing location like you start to get into a 
spiral of negative thoughts, you know, walk to another room, go outside, change your environment or like shake your body or even just say, nope, 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 not going there, say it out loud. And, and then you just make this decision. That has happened, that is in the past and they need to write a new story with the same words. So using using the story in an empowering way rather than a, a limiting way, exactly. consciously, and that yeah. that must be very difficult. Now, do you find that, uh, like this Angeli, was it Angelina? Angeli, yeah. Angeli, did you find you know at that age, twelve to fifteen, the brain's still developing, lots of things are changing very rapidly. Do you find the longer that the abuse or trauma or situation has carried on for the harder it is to change that? Because sometimes I feel like after the age of your 20s or 25 even, um, that might be more difficult for people to consciously reword um, the wording of their past. I do think it gets difficult with time. You know, the more time that, the more abuse, the more time that passes. And like you say, the changes in your brain. But I have seen remarkable transformations in older people as well. Yeah. Um, like this woman, Minu, she's currently on our staff and she was trafficked at a very young age, 13, um, from Nepal also into Calcutta also and you know, trafficked for many years. And then she had a daughter and her daughter was sold to the Gulf countries. She never saw her again. Um, and he, the daughter was actually sold by this, this trafficker pimp who was kind of Minu's husband. And then this um, this other agency came into the community and offered some alternatives and offered some some help and support. And both she and her trafficker husband were able to leave the sex trade and become community activists that are trying to help the next generation. And she has incredible strength and courage as well and has been able to you know forgive this guy for selling her daughter and to move forward and to be able to go out into the community and bravely reach out to others who are in the situation she once faced and because mm. she's been there you know they can listen to her like nobody else there's nothing i could say that would reach them the way she can yeah it's amazing huh it is amazing and you know the book the book i wrote with anjali is called standing in the way it has mm. a double meaning um you know one of it one part of it is that she all these people stood in the way to prevent her being trafficked or to prevent her, you know, from being destroyed. She was trafficked, but to prevent her from being destroyed, people, people were involved in rescuing her and repatriating and counseling and educating these, all these different people stood in the way and made her life possible and beautiful. And now she wants to stand in the way for the next generation of girls yeah. in the community. Yeah. But it's also from that Marcus Aurelius quote, what stands in the way becomes the way. Mm. And you know, the way she sees yeah. it, Exactly. It's not it's not that this happened for a reason. We're not saying that, um, you know, everything happens for a reason is, is kind of a empty and heartless thing to say to someone who has yeah. suffered an atrocity. Mm. But it's more about making a reason, you know, finding the benefit from what has happened and, you know, becoming more resilient or compassionate or despair proof. And in her case, having access to new resources like a college education that she never would have had if she stayed in the village and hadn't been trafficked. Hmm. Yeah. Is is the um? Do you see the 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 problem of slavery and um, child trafficking getting better? I mean, I the numbers according to the UN are 
either the same or worse. And it's hard to, you know, oh. the numbers go up, but that may just be that they're finding more, having, you know, more ability to track it. But I do see in the areas where I work that the government's changing, law enforcement, yeah. and the justice system's improving. Um, people, there's more public awareness and people are getting proper sentencing for trafficking. And you used to just get a slap on the wrist. Right. And the general public is more sensitized, aware, and supportive than they were. So I think these are the things that come first. Yeah. And, you know, and then you have sort of NGOs in there, you know, pulling individual girls out and helping them. Um, but when you you start to see sweeping social changes, I think first you see it, you know, the things I'm talking about and then the sweeping social changes. So I, I am pretty hopeful. That will happen. Yeah, yeah. The um the girls themselves a lot of a lot of uh, courage um and resilience to to keep on going on. Is there anything that you you know that drives them? Is it just the the sign of hope that sort of drives them? Because I don't know. It seems sometimes when they go through that that extreme adversity, there's more courage to to push forward. Whereas people you know, that are privileged like um, ourselves here in the West. We've got many things that we take for granted. There seems to be less motivation to really push on and, and make a difference in our life. What What have you learned on, on how to live a sort of happier life? Well, I think, I think you're exactly right. Like definitely when you have been forced to, you know, pull yourself up, um, whether it's by, you know, suffering an atrocity like this or maybe just living in a society where, we haven't removed all the suffering. I feel like in our society, we've removed so much suffering that we are having a hard time coping with what remains. Um, and whereas in, you know, Calcutta, there's a lot more suffering everywhere. So people, I think, have a generally like a better suffering immune system. Yeah. Um, and I think that we could um, maybe work on our own suffering immune systems and strengthen them by. Um, by being in contact with others who, you know, are, are struggling with bigger mm. issues. Again, not only giving us perspective, but challenging ourselves um, by being in those environments and saying, okay, you know, th there is a lot of suffering. Like, let's be honest and let's be aware of it. But it's also, as these people prove, possible to overcome even the most dreadful things. Mm. And I also feel like, you know, I'm always saying, let's let's just see what love can do. Um, I don't give in to hopelessness and despair. It's a conscious decision every day to choose hope, even yeah. when you're working, you know, in a, a really difficult issue, in a really dark situation, um, even when it looks bad, really bad. Hmm. Say, like, let's let's apply love to this situation and let's see, let's see what it can do here. Because many of the time it felt like the situation was intractable and hopeless or the person was just too far gone and were beyond help. But with, you know, just the intense, gentle, continuous, consistent application of love to the situation, it actually did get better. There is really no situation that can't be improved or a person that is beyond, you know, being improved or having some help given to them. Yeah, yeah. It's interesting you sort of said that stand in the way, you know, about um, sort of the stoic philosophy behind that that quote. Um, it's... Something else to I know Seneca used to talk about putting yourself in into a position of poverty to practice poverty, so that you're better off um, enjoying the the good things of life in a sense. I mean, there's other meanings that can come from it, but it sounds like that's certainly 
uh, perhaps what we could do a little bit better here when we're so complacent and so fortunate to have all the good things. Um, perhaps we need to put ourselves in, in greater hardship to, to give us more motivation to to move forward at times too. I think so. And I think, you know, going and, and walking alongside people who are in that situation, you know, I don't, I don't recommend like, you know, dropping in or doing poverty tourism, but really, right. you know, spending time, um, serious time and energy with people who are struggling, whether it's, you know, whether it's poverty or disability or any other challenge that people are facing, really walking alongside them and going into the places where they are and spending time there, um, you know, being of service, um, obviously for service's own sake, but you too will, I think, be transformed by it. I know I certainly have been. Yeah. Yeah, they say that by helping others um, in, in more hardest, you know, situations than you will, will help you come out of whatever slump or low that you've been in as well. Um, they always recommend that, I think, for for people that have gone through drug addiction or abuse, you know, to go out there and, and help others and, and maybe it'll just put, again, more perspective around their own situation and give them the courage to, to also overcome their obstacles. The um, Absolutely. What um, Can people go over to you and, and sort of work in your organisations as a volunteer, for example? I mean, is that is that sort of the opportunities there for people to to have that sort of basic level experience? We do. We have been doing some um, sort of volunteer immersion trips where we, we go over and we do a lot of education you know, around the issue and then spend some time um, you know, working with the kids and the women and, and getting to know them and being of service right there in India. Um, we also really appreciate um, people donating and you know, running events, raising awareness, engaging with us on social media. Um, if people have particular skills that they could, you know, with that we could use just in the, in the kind of running of the operation, like someone yeah. just helped us with a website. So yeah, there's a lot of different ways to engage. Many ways you, you can help. You welcome and appreciate them all. You don't have to get on a plane to go to India, but that is an option if you're feeling it. Yeah, love it. So you've got a, when's the book um, being released? Standing in the way? January, uh, January 11th, which is International Day for uh, Human Trafficking Awareness. Okay, I might be able to stick that in the links to the show notes for this episode, guys. And the the website here is herfuturecoalition.org. Is that right? Is that, that the is best right. place for people to learn more about what you guys do, etc.? Yeah. Absolutely, and um, you know, on social media at Her Future Coalition. All right, cool. Well, thank you, Sarah, for coming on and sharing. Uh, important work you're doing. Love it, and um, yeah, really appreciate the uh, the sharing today. All right, thanks, Lee. I really enjoyed the opportunity to share. It's good we can make it happen despite the tech difficulties, eh? <laughs> we, we stood in the way. We overcame. Yeah, yeah exactly. Uh, cool. Well, guys, check it out, thehiddenwide.com. Sarah, thanks again for coming on. And until next time, peace, passion, and purpose. See you soon. Thanks, guys, for listening to this episode. I hope you enjoyed what you heard. I hope you love what you're hearing. If you like this episode, guys, or any of the episodes that you're listening to here at The Hidden Why, please do me a favor by sharing it. You can share it with your families. You can share it with your loved ones. You can do that by using your favorite social media channels using the icons on the platform that you're listening to the Hidden Why podcast. Also, guys, if you're a fan of the show, please connect with me. Connect with me at thehiddenwhy.com. I love to hear from you. I love to converse with the people that listen to this show to find out what they enjoy, what they don't enjoy, and perhaps if they have any questions or feedback for the show as well. 
You can stay up to date with all that I'm releasing here, guys. I do a solo show every Monday, a three-minute thought every Thursday. I do two interviews a week on a Wednesday and a Saturday, and a book review every Friday. You can stay up to date with all that by subscribing to my newsletter at thehiddenwire.com. Just enter your email address there. And also subscribing to the podcast on the platform that you choose to listen to your podcast. You can also support the show, guys, by using the Amazon links at thehiddenwire.com. So if you like books, you can get all the books that I review there um, and anything else, really, that you like to purchase through Amazon. So use that link. It helps support the show. And we've also got a deal with Audible, guys. Audible is a fantastic way to listen to all your favorite books. We've got a deal with them so you can get two free books when you subscribe or, yeah, subscribe to a 30-day free trial. So check that out, again, at thehiddenwire.com. Guys, that's it from me. You know what to do. Go out there. Breathe more passion into every single moment. Do everything with greater purpose and in doing so you will discover your hidden why this is the hidden why my name is Lee Martinuzzi until next time peace passion and purpose see you soon